You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, the show that cuts out all the nonsense and gets right to the core of what it takes to make you a better archer. What is happening, everyone? How's everybody doing? <clears throat> I know I, I sound terrible. I still sound like, what's his name? Tone Tone Loke. From, uh, hey, you could, new kids won't get it, but that's a, I was like a rapper from the... Late 80s? Early 90s? <clears throat> Probably early 90s. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just got residual lung butter from <clears throat> whatever that horrific virus was that my kid gave me. But I'm back. Uh, Wendell is back. And, <clears throat> and just in time. Because guess what is this weekend, guys? This Sunday is the <clears throat> Street Arrow Bow Hunters are running the spring warm-up. It is the first leg of the Outlaws. <coughs> Sorry, I got funky cold Medina. But it's the it's the first leg of the Outlaw, guys. I'm super excited. I'm bummed. I, I'm not shooting the Outlaws because I had to I had to knuckle under and do the dad thing, but I'm still making it to these events. So I will be there. I will be shooting my bow. Um it just won't be for the Outlaw Gold, unfortunately. But uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, this is a really fun event. The, my first time shooting this was last year, um, the Reading Spring Warm Up, and it was super cool because there was you know Blake Jerome was there with uh, the Geisabiller girls. Uh, Paige was there, Paige Pierce, and well, she Paige Morgan now, and then Tate Morgan was there. So it was like giants, you know. We were shooting with giants. Um, amongst that. You have the smaller giants. You have the Rubios. You got the Randy Longs. You got the Doug Rosins. You get the Expendables. They're there. It's like factions of. It's kind of like the Warriors. You guys remember that movie from the the, the Warriors? I mean, that's another. What was that seventies movie? <laughs> Millennials will not know what I'm talking about. But um, you got you got like these factions of people, right? You might have some, you know, the Washington crew coming down you might have the expendables from the, the sacramento area you know the west coast crew is going to be spotty but we'll be there you know um it's gonna be neat there's even guys coming from socal how cool is that so it's going to be awesome great shoot um the reading spring warm-up was trippy about this one at least i could be wrong but i feel like for this event the it's an orange dot, right? It's safari style. It's the same same thing that we're going to be shooting all the damn time, right? I think it's two arrows, two arrows, twenty eight, or it was forty. I can't remember. You're shooting a nine twenty four. You're trying to try to shoot a nine twenty four or something along those lines. The outlaws is normally two days, so you're going to be shooting more more targets than that. But basically, if you go to the Reading Spring Warm Up, they're going to they're going to open 
a, se- a section of the course for you to shoot. So it's almost like doing a preview of Reading. It's uh, super legit if you don't live in California and you know you don't make it to California to shoot here very often, but you shoot Reading. If you do happen to make it over, it's pretty cool. It's like getting a, a warm-up on the course. <clears throat> so looking at the flyer, it looks like it's going to be 28 targets, um, three arrows a target, probably for us normies, and then... The outlaws themselves would probably be shooting, you know, two arrows target. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it, basically going for a 924 is what it's going to be. <clears throat> Less orange spots. Good shooting. Um, I feel like at this event, the dots are a little bit smaller, and I felt like they did that last year to kind of trip people out, kind of make everyone go, ooh. Now, in hindsight, in thinking about it, I'm not sure if that was the blind draw at Reading or if it was the... <laughs> the <laughs> the spring warm-up i believe it was a spring warm-up because i remember people couple on, people coming off the course going damn that was hard it really isn't that hard it's the first 14 and then <clears throat> you're 14 up the canyon side was it up the canyon side i don't think it's the complete canyon but it's like <clears throat> you're, you know your first 14 is like part of the parking lot where you kind of come up and you double back and then you start to work your way you know where the, there's a snack shack and you start to work your way into the canyon but instead, you come up to like the Bigfoot feet, not Bigfoot himself, but the the big feet. Um, it's a lot of fun. I feel like I feel like they're tiny, tiny dots, and it's fun. It's just cool. It's like some people will bitch and moan about it, the dots being not regulation size or whatever. If they aren't, it's just a challenge. Everyone's got to shoot them. You know, it's not like they're just tiny dots for you, and everyone else gets a bigger dot. So. <clears throat> I don't sweat the tiny dots. It's just like the break the barrier shoot down in uh, Friant, Friant, the um, the 3D thing that they got. They got real tiny dots. Those dots are like soda can size or smaller. <laughs> like the, the bottom of the soda can are smaller. So, <clears throat> you know, just execute strong. Execute good shots. Don't overtry it. You guys will be just fine, you know. Work your shot, you know, shoot your shot. Stroke it where you can, and that's the that's going to be the name of the game. I think, I think a lot of people are going to come into this first event not knowing what to expect. And I think when people don't put expectations on themselves, they're way more dangerous. So I'm guessing it's going to be a bloodbath with the scores. You know, assuming I don't call this one totally wrong, like the last event, and you know, not not account for wind or anything. I would guess. People shoot really good this weekend. Um, I'm super excited to see how I shoot. Uh, I I put the halon down. <clears throat> I, apparently, I did kind of a boneheaded move where <clears throat> this halon it doesn't shoot anything like my TRX 38, and I don't want to be a shell. I'm not trying to push the 38 on you guys. All right, I'm just saying for me, for me, the 38 is like a supercar. It's it's crisp. It's the like low shock dead in the hand it's it's amazing it's snappy and dead in the hand at the same time if you if you can picture that the halon is like taking my yaris and driving it full force into a city bus over and over again <clears throat> so running with the trx um i got a spot hog swap to put on it and you know i just like the the ham, the hammy drop away. I'm gonna keep trying the hammy drop away. 
I'm going to try it this weekend and see how I do. All right. I know what my my average used to be as far as uh, a 924 score. I know what what my handicap is. So we'll see if I can shoot close to my handicap going in. Um, so I posted up on the page on the uh, Archery Unfiltered page. I did some knock indexing. All right. And <clears throat> it was pretty cool. These arrows, I'm not going to say they're like the world's... I'm not going to try to sell you guys on gold tip arrows, even though I should, right? Um, <clears throat> it was super easy to knock tune these, and it went way faster than I thought it would. In the past when I've done this, I've been like... I mean, I haven't, I've never done it to these arrows, but in the past, I've done this for an hour and a half, two hours with just a dozen. I did 30, I think 36 arrows in maybe an hour 10 so it was really easy um so i heard you know i got a couple comments when i posted this up basically what i did was i just drew crosses or i drew like lines on a piece of paper and i just shot for the middle of the lines if they didn't hit the dead middle and i broke that shot dead middle i would just pull them and turn the knock and shoot them again right generally when you do something like this you're going to get a handful of of responses. <laughs> and I'll be 100% honest with you guys. Um, I do this for like a religious... It's like a religious thing, right? I can't prove to you that it will be better for you, okay? I did this... I do this because I took a bunch of crappy... Oh, I'm not going to say crappy. That's not a good word. Because I'm not putting any products down. I took a bunch of VAPs, all right? These aren't modern-day VAPs. These are VAPs from, like, two years ago. <clears throat> I stripped the labels off of them. I knock-indexed them. Well, first I knock-indexed them to figure out where if they lined up with the uh, label. Uh, they didn't. <clears throat> then I stripped the labels off. And fletched them up, and I shot them for uh, the State 3D. And using those, I shot a 9... I think I shot a 920 or a 921 out of a 924. I thought those arrows were the shit. I didn't think that they were they weren't like forgiving, all right? They didn't go in when I broke shots out. But as long as I did my part, those arrows did their part. They didn't do they didn't take anything away from me. So ever since then, anytime I shot an all carbon arrow for outdoor, I've done this nocturne. I did this with carbon ones, uh eastern carbon ones, and now I'm doing it with these uh Pierce tours. I, I have not shot arrows that I have not knock-tuned. Actually, I do believe I have 11 Pierce Tours that I have not uh, knock-indexed. I have 11 of them in my quiver. And I marked them. So I, I will be able to test this for you guys and tell you if this is like, you know, am I just being a religious nut here for something that I've seen? You know, you see Jesus in a grilled cheese sandwich and now you're like, I'm, I'm full-blown, you know, Catholic or whatever. <clears throat> no, this is. I'll test them because I think I have eleven of them that aren't uh, a knock indexed. I'll shoot them against my my index knock ones, and I'll I'll measure the groups and see which ones are better. But ever since that three D shoot with those VAPs, I've done this, and I've heard it described different ways, right, as to what you're actually doing. Um, some people, you know, call it puring, or like. It's something they do with golf shafts where you find the stiff side or the overlap or the seam or whatever. 
and I've said it in other podcasts before, George Riles believes what you're actually finding is inconsistencies in the concentricity of your knock pin. All right. Concentricity is like the evenness. Like if you have a, you know, if you have a circular pin knock, if you look at it from the top down and then you got the, the pointy part, the pin itself right in the middle. Well, if that pin is off like a couple degrees in any direction or even one degree in any direction, or if it's off center, any amount, you're going to, there's going to be bias thrown into that arrow because it's not shooting straight down the middle. So <clears throat> that's what George Riles has said. That's what you're actually seeing. Uh, I think Tim Gillingham was saying what you're finding is, you know, the stiff plane of the arrow. I've heard other guys like, I've heard guys really go crazy with this because at one time, you know, I also was like, well, tell me the answer. I want, I want Mike Herbin arrows to shoot just like my X10s, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to have to buy X10s every year. I, I want to shoot all carbon arrows since it, you know, maybe go out to dinner once or twice this year. So the, you know, some guys believe, and this might be true is that I, I can't, I can't tell you the answer for sure, but I can tell you what I know. Some guys believe that, you have a carbon arrow, right? You have a stiff side and immediately on the 180 degrees on the other side of that stiff side is another stiff side. One of those will be a stiffer point, right? You'll have a, a stiff and then a less, less stiff side. And then perpendicular to those two points, you'll have the weak side. So as long as you can find the stiff side and you orient those all the same way, whatever, you know, your arrow will flex however it will flex. <coughs> and the side that is super, you know, that, that ultra stiff side will be your constant. We'll keep everything, you know, if you have everything angled to one o'clock, then you can count on everything being biased off of that one o'clock plane or, or however you want to say it. <clears throat> I'm going to try not to throw too many incorrect buzzwords into this because, ugh, that is everywhere in marketing, <laughs> especially in archery. So, <clears throat> that's one way, right? Golf shaft peering is another thing that they do where, They'll put your 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 golf shaft, your driver shaft or whatever inside this rig. They'll put a weight on the end and they'll they'll spin it. And then, you know, when that golf shaft is moving in a straight, like up and down direction and not like from a eight to two direction or eight to whatever, they'll mark it. Right? The second they get it going straight up and down, they'll mark it. Okay. This is the the natural flex plane of this thing. Right, so there's all different ways to do this. There's some where guys will take a a harmonic device, they'll plug a shaft into something, and they they can do this to arrows too. They'll plug your arrow into something, they'll send a harmonic signal down it, and then a thing on the other side, some kind of I'd imagine a laser or whatever, will measure at which point you know the thing flexes more or less, right? Depending on the frequency. <clears throat> Scott Bomar has a machine that's very much similar to the golf shaft peering thing. Um, now, guys are telling... So, one of the responses that I got was, you're wasting your time doing it the way you're doing it. That's the old school, long way to do it. Let me use the Scott Bomar machine on your arrows. <laughs> I would not be doing my job as a researcher <laughs> if I told him no, Right? So I'm going to let someone take some shafts. Uh, when I go up to Reading, I'm going to give someone some shafts to take. They're going to use the Scott Bomar, um, you know, 
shaft indexing tool on them and I will compare those with the non-indexed and then I'll compare them with my indexed uh my my shot indexed ones and we'll just see oh you know if they're the shit you better believe it <laughs> if the bomar ones are the shit i'll buy the bomar machine whatever it is um but i kind of felt like at first when someone tells me like oh the way you're doing it, it's all crappy do it my way my natural reaction is two middle fingers right <laughs> but i realize i can't tell you guys that that any other method is not right unless i try it for myself and give it an honest an honest try. So I'm going to try the the Bomar indexing thing. The other one was, you know, I uh, I think my buddy was it Buck Hayrand or Doug Rosen, one of them told me like you're doing it all wrong, right? I know how the expendables do this, all right? Both of those guys are like expendables, wilderness guys. All the wilderness guys do it the same way, I'm fairly certain, where they get a piece of paper they shoot bear shafts through the paper, and then they turn the knocks until they get perfect bullet holes through the paper. Right? Uh, I believe that's a Tim Gillingham thing. Uh, a lot of the expendables are all gold tip guys, so they're gonna follow the way Tim Gillingham does it. And cool, <laughs> I think that that's a legit way. Here's why I don't do it that way. Uh, I tune my bow to shoot bullet holes through paper. Uh, and a bear shaft, I, I can take a bear shaft and shoot it through paper and it'll be a bullet hole. So I don't, I mean, I, I haven't done it with all of my arrows, but I'll take like two or three of them and shoot them through paper. If they're bullet holes, I'm like, all right, bow's at least tuned up, right? So I don't know, maybe I'm not stepping far enough back. Like maybe these wilderness guys step further back and see, uh, you know, because you know, up close you'll get a bullet hole, but then further back maybe you won't. Maybe then you start seeing some of that arrow bias come into play. I can't say for sure. Uh, I, ha- I, you know, I kind of felt like there's, I got more fidelity standing and shooting at a distance and then turning. Um, I might be wrong. It could be all these methods work. It could be none of them work, and this is all bullshit. So <laughs> um, when you start learning about this shit, you start learning about, you, you start to trail down this thing of reading about static spine dynamic spine and what those things are like st- static spine for example is like the the number that's on the arrow right 400 it's gonna your arrow is gonna bend 400th of an inch or 0.400 of an inch with an x number of weight when the arrow is suspended on a 28 inch like span or whatever when I mean, you have two points 28 inches apart basically dynamic spine is what that number actually is after you cut that arrow, plug your point in, plug your knocks in, put your veins on it, and shoot the shit. And then that arrow is flexing in the air. Because when you shoot an arrow, you're putting force on it from the back, right? And if you guys remember in physics class, any action, there is an equal and opposite reaction on the other side. So when you shoot, you're putting a bunch of pressure on the back end of the arrow. For a split second, like a fraction of infinitesimal second in space... There is an opposite force on the other side. Only the difference is the opposite force that you got point weight on the other side. So all that stuff plays into that arrow flexing and and what load that arrow shaft is under while it's flying through the air. You take something like your release. I mean, the the release and how dirty you release your arrow is just gonna talk about you know the direction that it it's gonna flip around and spin in. But 
um, or flexin, but the main thing is your poundage, right? Your let off, all that shit comes into play to tell you, you know, what your actual spine is. So dynamic spine is something else entirely. Neither of those things <laughs> has anything to do with knock indexing, but it's all shit that comes down to, you know, the magical, you know, this mysterious spine, the sp- the arrow spine, right? And on an all carbon arrow, you know, the stiff side, weak side, like what are we really trying to find exactly? So, um, the whole point of this is you want arrows that aren't going to take anything away from you. They're all predictable. They're going to land behind the pin, and uh, you don't have any weird flyers that are that you can legitimately blame on manufacturing defects. Realistically, you can't blame any of this shit on manufacturing defects. I doubt you're going to outshoot a carbon. <laughs> carbon fiber space age arrow like what we're shooting if you gave to the native americans back in the day that the natives used to kill buffalo you know with their piece of shit bows and arrows if you sh- gave them one of our arrows they would they would look at you like like they you know <laughs> like a stoned teenager they'd just be like what um man isn't that crazy i just started thinking about it but uh one of the things one of the comments that i got on my uh, Facebook page was from Cody Seitz. As you guys knew, Cody Seitz is he's a he's a pro shooter. He's shoot with Keith Trail a bunch. Uh, he's he, he shot an eight ninety nine in Vegas. He shoots high scores in Reading. He's a killer. I think he's shooting a Darton now. Um, but he he's a badass shooter. He either Darton or Martin. Maybe Martin. I can't remember anymore. But um. Cody's a badass, and he said, I've never indexed an arrow ever. Never knock indexed an arrow ever. That guy shoots so damn good that it made me go, well, maybe I'm wasting my time. You know? I mean, when a really good shooter tells you, like, hey, this is not important, generally they're they're, it's because in their experience, they put more effort into something else. And I think in Cody's in Cody's case, it's actually shooting. I don't think he fucks around with these little nitpicky things. He would rather be a better shooter, right? And some people do that. Some people are like, okay, well, I'm not going to fuck around with testing a bunch of different veins. I would rather just be practicing and getting good at shooting. And that's legit. Other guys will fuck around with veins all indoor season long and then show up with one type of, you know, one type of vein because someone else shot it at an event, you know, that would be me, but you know, you, you got to put your practice in for sure. And, and when someone like Cody tells me that I've never done this before, I feel like it's the answer I give other people when other people are like, should I do this or this? Should I use this or that? I'm like, dude, you should just practice. So Cody telling me that makes me think like, fuck, am I, <laughs> Am I overlooking something here? Is the big picture really the the eight inch gap between my ears? That's what most people are gonna go eight inches, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. My head is fucking huge. So, yeah, um, it's just cool. I like I, I like the different responses. I like how people are, you know, they all approach this from a different point of view. <clears throat> but you know, that Cody Sites thing had me thinking, like. 
is this legit or is this religious dogma? Is this, you know, I don't, I don't abide by many, well, any real um, mainstream religion, but my religion up until this point has been knock tuning works, uh, knock indexing works. Uh, but who knows? I might become an atheist to that as well. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll try it and we'll see. But, um, you know, I got to take everything. I want to take everything to 80 yards. I'll shoot the shoot all the different, you know, index, non-index arrows. And we'll see what what's what sticks and what doesn't. It's just a weird arrow prep is a, a weird ritual. And different guys have different, you know, different rituals when it comes to arrow prep. Some guys use what's it called? Braxo or something. Scrub to get their veins to stick. You know, some people fucking douse their arrow and acetone or whatever to get all the oils off. People get nuts with it, man. You know, do you prep the base of the vein? Do you not? What do you use? Denatured alcohol, acetone, a prep pen. What kind of glue do you use? <clears throat> I can tell you guys um, I'm using Zing Kling because my buddy Jim gave me a tube of it. That shit works good. I like it. Uh, in the past, I've used Gorilla Glue Gel. And it, that works really well. If you leave your vein on long enough, <clears throat> it won't fall off. That's the other thing, guys. After you fletch all your arrows, give them all a little tug. Because the last thing you want is one of those veins coming off mid-flight and giving you a big fat zero. All right? Give all your veins a little tug. Do it right now. Just make sure. Because uh, come this weekend, I do not want to hear any excuses. <laughs> I swear to God, <clears throat> I I came up with this good analogy. You coming up to me and telling me why you shot bad, you might as well be telling me you have herpes, okay? I'm going to give you the exact same response. I'm going to make a face. I'm going to scoot a little bit away from you, and I'm just not going to want to. I'm not going to want to hear the details. So keep your herpes stories uh, to yourself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my little spiel on knock indexing. Um, the next one was, I wanted to get into is, uh, bow torque. <laughs> and someone asked, dude, <clears throat> you talk about bow torque influencing your bear shaft. Um, how can I tell if I'm torquing my bow? <laughs> right. And normally I would say you just shoot a bear shaft and see where that goes. If you're shooting a bullet hole through paper, right? Your bow is tuned. And you shoot a bear shaft, and wherever that lands, that'll tell you if you're torquing the bow or not. <laughs> um, and I've heard other ways described, because, you know, I might be wrong. It could be that your bear shaft is one way, <clears throat> is opposite of your... Maybe you're not shooting a bullet hole through paper, but your bear shaft's hitting good. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> that's kind of getting into a, a territory I'm not 100% sure on. But it, one thing I've heard is... If you relax your 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 wrist, right, your bow hand wrist, which direction does your stabilizer point? Right, I, I've also heard that at full draw, is your stabilizer pointing left or right? You know, and, and sometimes it'll start straight, and then right when you get into anchor, it'll kick off one way or another. <clears throat> That's one way. Um, here's the thing about shooting the bear shaft. And that I noticed. Shooting different releases will get you different bear shaft results depending on which direction the jaw is oriented. 
So if you take a true ball HT, right, where the hook is in the direction of like if you made a hook with your finger on the right on your right hand, <clears throat> it would that's kind of like the it's an open hook facing left for the a, true ball HT. If you take a thumb button like the true ball blade, which is more like a lobster claw where the left side opens, those two releases are going to impart torque on your string when it when it's released that's different okay and uh what i've noticed is i will get a different bear shaft result shooting one release from from another uh it also goes different with the uh, true ball abyss all these releases are will give me a different result so when you're tuning for something pick one release and tune for that okay because <clears throat> if you're changing things up you might be imparting a weird bias into your into your system that is not 100% recognizable. It might not come out in your first... It might not come out in 50 shots. It might come out on your last shot. But it just might come out when your shot is weak or you're not all there. When you're not doing the 100% analytical shot, it might creep in there and that bias will take your arrow somewhere else. So it's just something to to be mindful of. I know a lot of people are like, I don't fuck around with different releases and that's good. That's good. You know, I, I am a believer that you should pick a release and then grind 10,000 shots out of that release. With that being said, I'm a little bit of a release whore myself. I think I found the release of my dreams. I've told you guys about it before. It's the true ball rave, not sponsored by true ball. At least in real life. I'm not, I, I, I have the true ball staff shooter card, but it's just cause I bought something in Vegas all right, so they're not giving me anything. I bought that. Um, but it's a really, the True Ball Rave is a really, really comfy release. I like it over the True Ball Blade. And maybe it's just weird, what do they call that? Weird preference that I have because we had a good honeymoon in Vegas. But, uh, you know, I can't tell you the specifics why. All I can tell you is find the release that you like put 10,000 shots in it. There used to be this book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point. And he would say, if you want to become a professional at anything, anything at all, or if you want to be a master at something, simply do it for 10,000 hours. And after 10,000 hours, you, you'll most likely be doing it for a living. <clears throat> and his like examples were like the Beatles. The, the Beatles were actually just a bunch of fucking dorks that would... Uh, play in bars and crappy bars but they knew that by playing in front of a live audience in front of a crowd they were kind of what do they call it getting their getting their shit together they were figuring out how that how to be performers and when the time came it, you know after 10,000 hours i think it was like 4 years of playing in dirty bars they were approached to do some like actual performance and they were already pros at it cuz they had been doing it forever um, I think the other one was his other example was uh, a ho the hockey guy. What's his name? Not Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was another guy who just played endless amounts of hockey until you know he said he did it every way, every wrong way possible before he could do it the right way. So yeah, um, I hope I didn't sound like I hated on the Beatles, but. Man, the Beatles suck. <laughs>
bullshit product of the week this week, guys. Any Beatles album. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the okay. I started th- this question. Kind of got me. The one about the how do you tell? How can you tell if you're twerking about? Well, first, if you are shooting consistently, it doesn't matter. If you're twerking about one way every time, it, it we're overthinking it. Okay. So. In typical Wendell fashion, though, I love overthinking this shit. You know, I love, you know, maybe it's because I'm an ex-drug addict, but I love tweaking with this, with archery shit. On the other side, the stoner part of me loves just shooting. So, I kind of feel like I, I got a good blend of both, right? I'll go through phases where I'll fuck around and test with shit, and I'll go through phases where I'm just shooting, and I don't want to hear about gear. Okay, so, um... This whole thing, how can I tell if I'm torquing my bow? The way I could tell was I would draw my bow back and I would relax my hand, my bow hand. And when I would relax it, I would notice the stabilizer would point right. And that was when I was using side plates on my Matthews. The draw length might have been a little different or I might have been shooting a little different. I feel like my style is kind of evolving a little bit. Um, I used to run my back bar kind of more in line and now I'm running it out a little bit. So I'm also shooting way less weight than I've ever run before. So that's another thing that will change the way I'm shooting. So that's how I figured out the bow hand torque. I went on to archery talk, right? Like the fucking dope that I am. Archery talk is worse than Facebook guys. It's like, (laughs) it's just a cesspool of nerds. Can any of them shoot? Probably not. And here's a... Well, I'll get into that after. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. But one guy had an answer on Archery Talk that I really liked. And that was, if you want to (laughs) know... This is like the dumbest one, but probably the the best one also. If you want to know if you're torquing your bow, buy a little jar of Vaseline. Scoop the whole contents of the jar out and over your left... If you're right-handed, it would be your bow hand, your left hand. And then grab your bow, <laughs> draw back, and see if that bow is pivoting in your greasy bow hand. <laughs> if the bow twists around in your hand, you be torquing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. Why not? So Keep that under wraps or Tim McGillingham's going to be shooting with a handful of Vaseline. <clears throat> and... Six stabilizers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the thing with the archery talk kind of segues into what I'm going to talk about later in the show. But it's it's what's weird is I feel like you never want to take advice from someone who doesn't know. Or you never want to take advice from someone who isn't shooting better than you. And maybe that's a, a callous or, or, or a shitty thing to say. But... It would be like if a fat guy came up to you and started giving you weight loss advice. And it's like, man, it's like, I don't know if I want to listen to this guy. If he's got, <laughs> The old joke is, you know, a fat guy comes up to you and tells you that he has to chew, that you have to chew sugar-free gum. And it's like, mm, no, <laughs> it's not working for you, bud. And I feel the same thing goes in archery. If, um, if you can shoot better than me, then 
by all means. This show is just comedy. This is this show is just filler for your day. All right. And uh I would thank you for listening anyway. But if you can't shoot as good as as good as I can, <clears throat> everything I'm saying is solely meant to help you get to get to wherever you need to be or beyond, you know. And I feel the same way when people give me advice. Uh, I try to be open to it because in the past I have shrugged advice that turned out to be really good. A good example is Dave Cousins gave me advice uh, about how I should shoot at, at one time. I tried it and I did not like it. He put, I think I was running at the time, I was running like 7 and 20 uh, ounces on my bow or, or 14 and 20 or something like that. And he switched it. He put 20 ounces on the front and 14 on the back. And he said, shoot like that. And I was like, this is terrible. And then he was like, I was shooting a hinge. And he was like, you know, grip and rip your hinge. And I was like, no, this is dumb. This is so dumb. Eight months later, I was shooting 21 and 20. And I was gripping and ripping. And it was like, it's what Cousins was trying to get me to earlier. But either, I, you know, I wasn't ready for it or... I just didn't want to listen, what have you. But that was a guy who legit shoots better than me. Gave me advice, and I did not listen. And it took me eight or nine months to come around to being like, oh, you know what? That guy was right. That that was some good advice. So, you know, if I offer advice and you guys want to take it, bravo. If you don't want to take it, all I can say is cool, man. That's okay. I don't mind. I just want us all to shoot good. In the name of California. Because god damn it, if California does not have the worst reputation of any of the 50 states. I mean, what's worse than Cali- Florida? Like, you gotta hear the Florida man stories? Even those are all kind of cool. California man stories are like... <laughs> dude couldn't buy gasoline for his Prius and then slipped in bum shit or something, you know? So, anyway... <clears throat> Cool, cool question I got coming up. I'm going to read it verbatim. <clears throat> it is a buddy of mine. I won't say his name, just in case this question embarrasses him. He says, hey, Wendell, we're freestyle shooters, right? Anything goes well out on the course with your equipment. Um, so why is it okay to shoot a micro diameter arrow in Vegas for the 10K shoot-off, but you're considered gay if you shoot 23s at say targets 40 yards and under while shooting safari dots obviously this is not a good idea if your boat does not spit both arrows out well however in my case uh shooting them both i am shooting them both very good so i tried it out yesterday and had success busted out my 23s yesterday and thought my buddy was going through going to throw up watching me shoot them he just said if we're shooting outlaws together and you bust those out we're not partners anymore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wonderful, wonderful question. And uh, my man still says, why is this considered gay? <laughs> well, first, sir, it is 2022. And things that are gay are pretty damn cool these days. All right. <laughs> so uh, I, I got to applaud you for still using the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> the nineties definition of the word gay. <laughs> I still do it around my kid and I gotta I gotta wrap that up real quick before she realizes I'm speaking words. Um all right, I'll tell you guys a cool story about this. 
shooting 23s for Safari Dots. Uh, I will be 100% honest. I don't think it's there's anything bad about it. All right? I think you are hedging your bets on something, right? With with the 23. And I mean, why don't people shoot 23s for field archery? Well, for the animal round, Connor Sears shot 27s for uh it field nationals. And he shot them damn well. <laughs> uh granted, I think everything on the animal targets is like 50 yards and under, right? Or something around around there. I know someone's probably like screaming into their phone right now. But um what the answer is, but I think for the low yardages, there is nothing wrong with shooting a fat diameter arrow. You see it done with 3D archery all the time. Now granted, those are all under a certain distance. Years ago, I'm going to say 4 years ago, when I was shooting under my Master Yoda Emerson, right? We were outlaw partners, and we were down in Fresno, and we were paired with these two guys. And I can't remember the first guy's name, but his partner's name was Jimmy B. All right. When we asked, I was like, "What? Well, you know, what's your name?" He's like, "Jimmy B." <laughs> and the dude was like, very tall, like six foot two. He wore a Victory Arrows jersey. Now, this was before Victory Arrows were cool. All right. You guys remember at one time Victory. They were kind of goofy. Like the the jerseys looked pretty goofy. They kind of looked like pajamas. And Jimmy B was this tall dude, Victory Archery jersey, old ass bow, right? And sunglasses. Black sunglasses so you couldn't see his eyes. And uh I fuck I fucking love Jimmy B because he would make a shot, right? And he would go, Jimmy B! <laughs> Jimmy B! So Jimmy B was shooting 23s in Fresno at the Fresno Safari. And he was lighting it up. I want to say he was high nine-something teens, right? Maybe middle teens. I can't remember 100%. And maybe it's just in my mind that he was shooting that good. He did 22 the elephant, right? That's a 100-yard shot with 23s. And I remember he, he 22'd it. And I was standing behind him with the scorecard, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you 22 to Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy B. And he flipped around and didn't even see me, is how short I am and how tall he was. He didn't even see me, looked over me and went, yeah, baby. <laughs> Fucking Jimmy B. <laughs> when I saw him again in Oregon, like years later, right? He was like, he was just standing, like, just staring off into space and I got up behind him and I was like, Jimmy B. He flipped around, looked over me and went, what's up, baby? <laughs> this fucking guy. I think Jimmy B shot 25 diameter arrows at an event. I don't think he did as well with the 25s, although I can't put words in his mouth. I got to find this guy. If he's still shooting, I got to find him. He crushed with 23s. And let me tell you what he did that was advantageous. He would shoot first, cram a 23 in the middle, cram two 23s in the spot, and be like, fuck everyone else. Good luck getting your arrows in. If it's a small spot, if it's a turkey target or something like that, it's like Chinese nationals on a subway train, dude. It's like we're just cramming into the smallest spots possible um 
And he, he was able to hit at 100 yards. So, man, dudes shoot 27 diameters arrows for 3D, and they're hitting tiny dots. You know, we're shooting, in, for Safari, we're shooting pretty much field archery-sized dots, and then bigger for the 100-yarder. Um, so, fuck it, dude. If you can hit with 23s, run with 23s, dude. And then do it in honor, pour a little bit of... Uh, you know, of your 40 ounce out for old Jimmy B out there if he's still shooting. God damn it. You know, <laughs> one beautiful thing about Outlaws in particular, it's just archery, competition archery. You meet some really cool fucking people that have a profound impact on you. <laughs> and maybe they don't even know it. <laughs> maybe they don't even know it. That they have this profound impact on you that you would never meet otherwise. You know, like, I don't frequent strip clubs so i would never know that you know i would never meet jimmy b the bouncer outside of a strip club or you know who knows what he does maybe he harvests organs uh from cadavers somewhere and i just wouldn't know the dude's cool as fuck though and uh and i just wish i got his contact information and kept in touch there's always cool fucking guys another cool dude i met in at the fresno safaris this guy aaron hall he's gonna be at the outlaws you guys should find him and ask him about how he got bit by a shark, and then he just fucking ripped. The, he grabbed his shark and just ripped it in half, like um, America, uh, Captain America splitting a log open. So uh, that's a cool one. Ask Aaron Hall about the shark thing. Um, What's cool was when I met Aaron Hall, and I was a young young archer. I was like, "That's who I want to be. That's the archer I want to be." Like my my original idol was Emerson because that was my my teacher, right? But then I met Aaron Hall and I was like, holy shit, this is Emerson. Advan- this is Emerson. If Emerson keeps doing this shit, if he keeps up with archery for another 10 years, that's Aaron Hall. And uh, I see Aaron Hall now and I'm like, god damn, I still want to be an Aaron Hall. But it'll never happen because Aaron Hall's a quiet, uh, humble dude and I'm a, a loudmouth weenie with a podcast. So, you know. <sighs> Maybe it'll maybe it'll get close. <laughs> maybe I'll get close. All right. Next next question is uh from a young man whose name I won't say. Um just because I was like very vaguely put off by this question. <clears throat> but I realize that by being put off, I am myself in the wrong here. So I'll I'll try to do this question respect. <laughs> and he said for here's his his message uh Wendell I just listened to your last podcast and you talked about shooting a blade to get a bullet hole with indoor and outdoor arrows so they both tuned ah dude this voice sucks I'm sorry anyway he says I don't think tuning is that important especially indoors uh I shot a 1519 in Reading with a one inch tear through paper so at 20 yards as long as your timing is good it's gonna hit every time uh, this is because, so I had talked about getting a swap rest on my bow so that I could just swap between indoor, outdoor arrows. And if I can't make it to the field, at least I can shoot in my basement, start shooting 300 rounds. Right. And, uh, this young man is like, dude, why, why would you take your hamski off your bow just for a tune? Um, and I was admittedly kind of a dick to this young man. I said, oh, you shot a fifteen nineteen. Did you do it from cub stakes or adult stakes? And, you know, he answered, oh, I did it from adult stakes. 
And I continued to be like, well, let me tell you something, kid. I tuned my bow for a bullet hole and I shit on 1519. I was such a, an asshole to this young man. And I really shouldn't have because here's why. There are shooters that are better than me that shoot with a one-inch left tear, you know? Um, so, you know, to that young man, I apologize. Um, the reason why I am all about at least getting a bullet hole as a starting point is because for most people, it will give you the best platform as far as ruling your bow out. It'll make your arrows hit middle. It'll make your arrows hit behind the pin. And if you ever have a time where your arrow doesn't hit behind your pin, usually there's something going on. You'll be getting a wacky tear through paper, or you'll be getting a weird, um, you know, weird bear shaft result, um, what have you. Okay, so that's the reason why I stress shooting through paper, or just shoot having a arrow rest that tunes. You know, having a setup that tunes. And um, I understand if you shoot great with a, a left tear or right tear or whatever tear. Um, rock it, dude. Like, rock and roll. Like, the the whole thing is... What I didn't like is he said, I can't see a difference between a bullet hole and a left tear. So, I think that's wrong. I think you definitely see a difference. If you shoot... If you shoot 100 arrows with a left tear and 100 arrows with a bullet hole and you put those two groups next to each other, you should definitely see a difference. Um... But you know what? Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, with that, you know, being said, I think if you're comfortable with the way your bow shoots, that's all that matters. And what I'm saying doesn't matter. You know, because in the at the end of the day, I'm not shooting your bow for you. So, you know, do what you can to make it work and rock and roll. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, I get, <laughs> you know, it's weird is I love it when people tell me, hey, you know, you said this thing, but you missed this other thing. I get all flustered when people call me a liar or when people say that I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hey, dude, you're way off base about this thing. Good example. I said I'm not shooting outlaws, right? And then a dude hits me. I, I made a group on Facebook for all you guys that are um, without partners, okay? If you guys have a chance... Get on Facebook, go to search, and type in Outlaw Archers Free Agents List. Okay? You don't even have to type Free Agents List. Type Outlaw Archers and then just look at the at the uh, Outlaw Space Archers. And then just look at the results. You'll see one that says Free Agents List Group. That's a group for you guys that don't have partners to go up, post your handicap scores, and say, I want to shoot in the teams and I need a partner. Can I find a partner? All right. Um, I made that, and then I did my myself as a an example, and I wrote very clearly. This is my example. <laughs> this is what your format should look like. And someone hit me up and said, "Dude, I thought you weren't shooting outlaws. What the fuck?" <laughs> and it's just like, I know I shouldn't feel blind rage. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't smoke. Maybe I smoke more weed. Maybe my weed intake is a little low. But blind rage is what flashes through my eyes. Because <laughs> I try to make things very clear, you know? <laughs> but I'm not shooting the outlaws. I wish I was, okay? 
but I ain't. Just trying to help you guys that are shooting outlaws. If you don't have partners, find a teammate. And this is how you can do it. Maybe two guys that weren't going to shoot the outlaws can now find partners and now shoot it. Anyway, um, that resource is there for you guys in California or surrounding states that are going to shoot the outlaws. Please utilize it uh, if you don't have a partner already. On that group, I also post up how to determine your handicap. And uh, I post up the dates and locations of the events. And I also post up um, uh, the last page of the rule book because... Doug Rosin, uh, one of the Expendables, was like, uh, you should make sure everyone knows the fucking rules about switching up teams and blah, blah, blah. And he makes a good point. The rule is you can't bounce around. Like, I can't be Rudy Sandoval's partner for one event and then get be Alan Burnett's partner for another event and then be Austin Watts' partner for a third event and then be like, I'm king of the outlaws, right? You know? No, it doesn't work like that. You can have one partner and you can have one substitute shooter. And I believe that one substitute can only substitute once. Okay? I think. I should probably read the fucking rules before I go telling you guys <laughs> what's what. So, yeah. I posted that up for Doug just to get him off my back because he loves to bust my chops if I step out of line. Uh, I hope that helps you guys. And that's the meat and potatoes of this show. Um... As always, guys, I got to reiterate, uh, I'm not trying to sell you guys anything, right, from any one brand. You know, I have my personal sponsors as a shooter, but this show is independent of that, okay? I'll be very open and honest about what I shoot and why I shoot the things I do. I will never tell you or try to sell you on some shit, okay? Until this show gets big enough to where it has a sponsor, <laughs> And I can sell out uh, directly. <laughs> I won't be selling you. I won't be forcing you guys, or you know, telling you guys to do one thing or another. I'm not going to be dropping knock on. I mean, I'm sorry, <coughs> archery unfiltered Carter knockoff releases. Okay, um, none of that. I am getting hats in tomorrow. <laughs> archery unfiltered's got a hat. Uh, I got to thank my buddy Carlos who helped me figure out how to get some hats made because I tell you when it comes to merchandising shit, I am retarded. Um, oh shit, I can't say that anymore. It's not the 90s. Um, but I got hats made from the same place that makes the Ultraview hats. So how about that? And Chris B's line of gear. How That's pretty neat. Very cool company. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have some archery unfiltered hats. Uh, a little bit easier than shirts because I don't got a plan for a bunch of sizes for you guys. They only come in one color. I got one special limited edition black camo hat. All right, that will I will give away when I can figure out some kind of contest or some kind of something. <laughs> you know what? It, all you guys have to do like a tug of war on a glass. Uh, <laughs> no, you guys got to do tug of war on like a platform. 100 feet in the air with a bunch of Koreans, all right? Uh, winner of that gets my hat. Um, or I don't know. You got to play uh, something out of Squid Games. But I'll, I'll think of something and give away that hat, all right? That's going to be the one special one. But they're all in one color. This is going to be the first run. I'll see if these things are even, you know, worth the investment of, of uh, buy, uh, you know, 
getting made. Uh, the hats are going to be 25 bucks plus 5 bucks for shipping. If you can catch me at an event like Reading this weekend, it'll be just 25 bucks. Okay? Um, and I'll try to throw some stickers in with it too. Maybe two stickers, a hat, or something like that. So thank you guys for everyone that supports my show, everyone that bought T-shirts. Um, you know, I'll reiterate, I don't make any money on this stuff. I'm just trying to get the the logo out there and get the support out there for the show. And everyone that's been buying shirts, you all helped because I'm getting more listeners and um, people that are actually like sticking around to listen. And I appreciate that. You know, I hope I don't offend anybody. I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll ruffle some feathers sometime, but you know. I just try to talk I try to I try to talk like I'm talking to you in person. If you ever meet me in person, I'm not gonna sugarcoat things. Uh, and I'll I'll probably drop an F bomb here or there. Oh, it reminds me. I did a that podcast with the uh Blue Line Archery, Carlos, and it never aired it. He said the quality wasn't good, but I have a sneaking suspicion it's that I said the word fuck like I think I said it about 45 times. <laughs> That's what my shot counter said. <laughs> and he runs such a clean ship. <laughs> I don't think he wanted to air that one. <laughs> I don't blame him. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, it's funny because, uh, I talk with my buddy all the time and he's very much a gear junkie. He's like, dude, you got to try this release, try this lens, try this set of binos. And it's like, you know what? I love the guy, but I don't I don't believe anyone needs to do that. I don't think you need to dump your all your expendable income into archery. I think you need a good set, a good one set of stuff, maybe a second set just in case. But uh, you know, the biggest I think the most expensive thing I've bought for myself is probably an Excel site. Maybe a I have Vortex razors also, which are very expensive. And that's like, it took a lot for me to come around to buying those. <laughs> you got to call a lot of people's arrows wrong before you invest in new a new set of binos. <laughs> One fond memory I have is shooting at the club. I was shooting with someone I did not particularly like. And he shot, and he goes, where did it land? And I said, uh, 9 o'clock X. And he's like, really? I was like, no. I was like, edgy exit four. And he's like, well, that's that's different. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, it's a tweener at 12. He's like, well, just what the fuck is it? And I was like, ah, you're out. You're out at nine o'clock. <laughs> you can only do that so many times to your friends, much less someone you don't really like, before you're like, all right, I'll get some new glass. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that was my rant for today. Um Admittedly, I've not been getting my ass out to practice like I've been telling you all to. I'm going to wake up early, early tomorrow, go get some arrows in, <clears throat> and just try to kick it off, man. It, this is like my first outdoor event. I know a bunch of other people did the U- Yuba Sutter. So, some, you know, some of you guys are all, you know, fresh behind, or what's the word? Fresh behind the gills? Dirty behind the gills? I don't know. Some of you guys are all already geared up. And, um, you know, shooting this trx again i already i already feel geared up i'm just gonna make sure my marks are good and just go have fun this weekend i mean that's what's gonna be about for me this year is having fun i mean realistically it should be about that for all you guys the second archery becomes not fun anymore you got to re-examine what you're why you're doing it so booyah 
thank you guys for listening. Um, this episode is brought to you by DB Custom Coatings. My friends, Darren and Bet in Napa, they are Saracote and Bose. They did Austin's American Flag Invicta, which is a beautiful, beautiful Saracoting job. Even on such a hideous bow like an Invicta, it really made that bow cool. Um, they also, uh, Darren just did like a Galaxy uh, Saracote on a, a PSE. I'll post up pretty soon. Um, that was pretty wild, <clears throat> but yeah, Darren's a, he's an artist, man. It's crazy. You know, for a guy that's like a real, he doesn't strike you as an artist when you talk to him, but the dude's Picasso with a, with a spray gun, uh, not Picasso. He's better than Picasso. Picasso was kind of a slacker. Actually, he's Michelangelo with a spray gun. Hmm. Leonardo, maybe. So yeah, I, man, I keep slack. The second I I realize I want my bow seracoded, I'm like, oh, it's game time with this bow. I can't, yeah, I can't tear it down yet. So I'm I'm so behind the uh, the ball on getting my rig seracoded. Um, show's also brought to you guys by Carbon Craft Stabilizers. My bars are on the way back to me to use, <laughs> and I can't come quick enough. I like the bee stingers, but they're just a little a little bit soft. There's something you can feel it. It's a little different. They're, they're, I've been describing stabilizers in percentages with like weight and stiffness. Right? I feel like most bars are either a higher percentage stiff or a higher percentage weight, and I feel like Carbon Craft hits both of those at about set. I would I would call seventy five percent if I had to quantify it with numbers. Bee Stingers are close. They're like sixty percent of both. If I could describe my um, contour CSs, it was like my Eastern contour CS bars. They would be like 50% stiff and like 75 or 80% light, you know? So you start to get in these varying levels of stiffness and, and lightness. And for some reason, the Carbon Craft bar is, is like a B plus in both. And it's super rare. Most bars are like, uh, you know, an A here and a, a D here or a, a C and a B or something like that. So, I'm still fiddling around with bars. If anyone wants to send me bars to fuck with, I will definitely fuck with them. But, you know, at the moment, the Carbon Craft bars are still the winner. I even sent them to uh, my buddy Jeff Jenkins, who is, you know, me and him are debating nonstop about strings at any given time. And he liked the bars. He straight up said, oh, Wendell, these are the shit. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Jeff, like, I, I'm telling you the truth about everything. And so he, he went and ordered them. Pretty damn cool. Um, again, I'm looking for the bar that's going to dethrone the Carbon Craft bar. I, I have not found it. Brian Webb at Impact Archery is taking orders now. So if you guys call Brian Webb at Impact Archery, place your order. One thing that I did not mention before is he can give you a custom length. So maybe you want a 13-inch back bar or a 13-and-a-half-inch back bar or a two and a half inch back bar. You probably can't do that because of the end cap length, but if you're like um Sergio Pagni and you want a real tiny back bar, we can get the, we can we can make that for you, Serge. So uh check it out. Uh Impact Archery is uh you know Brian Webb and uh I don't have the phone number. You guys can Google it. We live in the age of information. Alright guys I'll see you all on Sunday. Y'all wish me luck. I wish you luck. I'm about to get out of here. I'm about to go get high like the gas prices. Peace.